Welcome to From the View Box with Hal and Chris. This is the podcast of the UMass Medical School Department of Radiology. My name is Hal Lowe from the Division of Emergency Radiology. And I am Christopher Cernelia from Musculoskeletal Imaging. Welcome. Today's guest is Christopher Serini. Dr. Serini will be returning today to um, continue his discussion on meniscal tears. Um, we have Dr. Serini on by Zoom, a phone call. Again, we're recording this uh, the end of May, so we're still doing some uh, social distancing. So please pardon the um, audio. Chris, how are you today? Hi, Chris. Great to be here. Happy to be back to talk more about the meniscus with you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. I think where we last left off, last left off was um, you were teasing the concept of uh, the various uh, categories of meniscal tears and how they could become displaced. Before you get into that, could you just briefly review um, the, those uh, three meniscal types and how they appear? Right. Yeah, I think it'll be helpful to review the, this really quickly the three basic types of meniscal tears before we go in to talk about the more complex tears. So they were the longitudinal vertical tear, if you remember, that's what's uh, a tear that would be made by a can opener, a horizontal tear, which the example is a pita bread, and a radial tear, and that example for that is a pizza slicer. So if you go back and listen to that last podcast, you can hear all about those. And then uh, any combination of those would make something called a complex tear, which is one we can't really fit into the three categories. Perfect. Um, and again, for those who uh, may have missed it or are coming in later, um, that would be episode four. Uh, so please take a time to listen to that discussion. So, um, so these basic types you mentioned um, could go on to displace. Could you maybe expand on that? You mentioned uh, briefly the different types of uh, displaced meniscal tears. Um, you want to outline those? Absolutely. So um, let's start with a longitudinal vertical tear and that this places into what's called a bucket handle tear. And I'm sure a lot of people has, have heard of a bucket handle tear. So what I want to do now is kind of paint a picture of what a bucket handle tear would look like on an MRI, or how about just in the body in general, right? So if you can imagine the meniscus, the C-shaped meniscus, um, being cut by a can opener, it would, if you were looking down on it, as which would be an axial slice on an MRI, you'd see the C-shaped meniscus, which would be cut into two individual Cs by a can opener. The bucket handle happens when that inner C shape gets displaced towards the intercondylar notch, uh, may or may not be flipped, but um, it creates kind of a meniscus left behind and a little bucket handle that can uh, flip back and forth towards the intercondylar notch. So that's called a bucket handle tear. Um, there are a bunch of signs associated with this one. Um, which are fine, but I think that they can also lead to some tunnel vision and uh, incorrect diagnoses if you don't really understand the actual morphology of what's going on. So let's run, but let's run through the signs anyway. So there's a classic double PCL sign where you see kind of part of the meniscus in the same slice as the PCL and you might be scratching your head why a patient has two PCLs, but that would be a sign of a, a flipped bucket handle uh, tear instead. Um, similarly, you could see a meniscus fragment in the intercondylar notch. You might see a double anterior horn of a meniscus, um, but all of these are really just um, stand-ins for understanding what the actual picture of what's going on is. So I think that um, that visual is excellent, that, that concept of, you know, again, using that can opener and grabbing kind of that inner margin and displacing it uh, centrally um, really helps, I think, um, to, to visualize the different ways that that meniscus can can uh, displace, and depending on where it displaces, we get those uh, different signs. So that's 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 a great uh, great way to think of it. Um, 
how about the uh, horizontal tear? Um, oh, sure. So the horizontal tear um, displaces into what's called a flap tear. And these are really common and you see them all the time. And it might be kind of subtle on an MRI, but it's important, it's important to identify it and uh, let your referring provider know. And the reason being that these can be frequently overlooked on um, arthroscopy. Um, so let me describe what a flap tear is. So if you imagine our horizontal meniscus tear as being a slice of pita bread, what the flap tear is is one of those two halves of the bread flipping and going over the side of either the tibia or up over the side of the femur. Most frequently, they kind of flip down next to the tibia. So what you might see as you're scrolling through a coronal sequence of the knee is you might see what's called a boomerang sign, which would be that uh, bottom part of the pita bread flipped and hanging over the side of the tibia in the uh, joint gutter. So kind of like if the if the, the pita bread was sitting on a uh, a dish and the uh, the underside uh, flipped uh, past the margin is now off the dish, a dish yeah, yeah. tibia plateau, something like that. Exactly, you got it. That's a great great example. Cool. Um, and so and so I guess the area that the um, the resident needs to look at is the is those meniscal uh, tibial and meniscal femoral recesses for those displaced meniscal uh, tissue. Exactly. These can be kind of tricky because unlike you're look you're seeing a flap instead of looking for that classic line of edema or bright signal within the meniscus. Instead, you're diagnosing a meniscus tear based off of an abnormal morphology, and so you really need to understand what a normal meniscus looks like in order to um, diagnose these. Um, they're very easily seen, usually on the coronal, and then sometimes you can get an idea on a sagittal view. You might be, be able to catch that flap hanging over the edge and um, see it that way, too. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So um, let's move on to uh, radial oblique tears. Uh, how do these... Uh progress to uh, displacement with type of right so to round out the displaced versions of our three basic tears radial tears can devolve into what's called a parrot beak tear so if you imagine a radial tear being made by a pizza cutter um, a parrot beak happens when you have kind of an incomplete cut with that pizza cutter and then it kind of gets torn open in a different direction um, kind of along the course of the meniscus. So you can imagine this being a little bit more of like a comma shaped if you're looking at the meniscus axially and uh, that comma shape has been kind of whimsically termed a parrot beak. And so these are kind of a little bit more a complex tear, but another reason why you might see a flap of a meniscus um, where it shouldn't belong. Great. So I think that was a really good um, explanation and good visual for each of these types of uh, displaced tears. And you mentioned uh, specific to the horizontal of, the, of that flap tear, how it's important because they can go unnoticed uh, during arthroscopy. Um, is there any other reason why we should really care about these displacements and why we should you know, describe them and mention um, these type of uh, displaced tears? So the meniscus is an important structure in that it uh, is like a shock absorber for your knee protecting your cartilage. So it has it has a strength in its organization, right? And so the more area of the meniscus that's damaged or torn or injured, the less strength it will have to protect the cartilage. So it's important to identify these more dramatic larger tears so that your referring provider will know that there's more likely that this tear might lead to progression of diseases such as osteoarthritis, or if your patient is osteopenic, this could cause insufficiency fractures in the subchondral bone. Wonderful. Um, so we, 
we I think outlined uh, nicely, or you outlined nicely, the um, progression of these types of uh, tears into displacements and some of um, the complications and importance of describing them. Um, uh, what about um, some some settings where we need to be aware of a meniscal tears, some you know associations with other types of uh, internal injuries? Right. Um, just beyond normal wear and tear causes of uh, meniscal tears. Um, meniscal tears can also be associated with other injuries. And I think I really wanted to um, make this point clear for those listening that meniscal tears are often associated with other internal derangements and specifically they can be associated with ACL tears. So I think a lot of times uh, ACL tear is a nice diagnosis to make, especially for first time MRI readers in that you see this big ligament in the middle of the knee and you see that it's torn and you, and I think it often leads to a satisfaction of search problem where you don't look elsewhere in the knee for other findings. But um, something that I always tell residents is that when you see an ACL tear, you have to look very, very closely at the posterior horns of both menisci. And um, there's very likely that there might be a tear of the posterior horns of either the medial, lateral, or both menisci when there's an ACL tear. And the reason for this is the common mechanism of ACL injury, the pivot shift in which the femur uh, will impact the back of the tibia and what's in the way is the posterior horn of both menisci. So I want to talk about briefly two sorts of meniscal tears. The posterior horn variant would be a meniscal capsular separation and the lateral meniscus variant is called a Risberg rip. Okay, so in, um, when there's an ACL injury, I look very closely at the posterior horn of the medial meniscus for either a peripheral vertical longitudinal tear or what's called a meniscocapsular separation. So that mechanism of injury with um, the ACL tear very frequently leads to one of those two injuries. So let me just uh, jump in there for a second. Um, you mentioned the, the peripheral vertical longitudinal tear and uh, meniscocapsular separation. Um, for the for the audience, could you just um, go into a little bit more depth into the difference of the two and how you would differentiate one from the other? And right. Especially in a setting of an ACL injury, you can get a peripheral vertical longitudinal tear in the posterior horn of the medial meniscus. And this is the same thing as that can opener tear, but these tend to be very, very close to the edge of the meniscus. And you can get the same, you can imagine the same exact sort of can opener tear pattern, but just outside of the meniscus. Um, and that would be called a meniscal capsular separation. There are some ligaments that attach the posterior horn of the meniscus to the capsule and thus meniscocapsular separation um, if the tear happens to be outside the meniscus. So diagnosing whether it's a meniscal tear or a meniscocapsular separation really relies on whether you see some meniscus, if you think the tear is within the substance of the meniscus or just beyond it. Perfect, yeah. And, I, and just to, I guess, add to that, um, I know um, another term that's used sometimes is meniscal capsular injury. Um, and I think that was kind of brought into play because many of these meniscal capsular separations because of the location of the injury being very vascular, by the time the, the surgeon would go in, um, they would be healed, right? So, um, so sometimes that terminology is used that there's a meniscal capsular injury um, and that, um, you know, these can be healed by the time they're actually, uh, you know, visualized um, through arthroscopy. So, um, Great. So, so you mentioned um, also the second type of variant, the um, 
the Risperg, sorry, the Risperg rip. Could you go into some more detail about that? Sure. So the Risperg ligament of Risperg is a meniscofemoral ligament. So it attaches the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus to the femur. And what can happen in the setting of an ACL tear is that the tibia um, can now translate anteriorly with respect to the femur. And when that and when that happens, it can cause the ligament of Risberg to pull traction on the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus. And when that traction is applied, it can kind of peel off the posterior horn a little bit and create what a uh, vertical longitudinal tear in the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus. So it's that similar can opener look, but this is happening more because of the ligament peeling back kind of the posterior horn. Um, yeah, and it's just another common variant uh, to look out for. And I think both of these things, the uh, Risberg rip and the meniscocapsular separation, or just tears of the posterior horns in general, are like the number one thing I look for when in the setting of an ACL tear. Because oftentimes, the orthopedic surgeon knows there's an ACL tear, and it's easy to diagnose on the MRI, but it's a lot of value added to your referring providers if you can tell them that these sorts of uh, complex tears are also present uh, in the setting of uh, the internal derangement. Great. That's wonderful. I, I kind of think of that as, you could almost think of that as a, um, I'm making this up on the fly, but a milk cap tab, right? When you pull <laughs> the milk, milk, the tab on the, on, the, on the top of your gallon of milk, right? That, yeah. That's kind of the, the ligament of Risberg. And so as you pull, it kind of um, has that same effect of kind of tearing longitudinally. Uh, yeah, that's great. I don't know if that's a great analogy or not, but that just came to mind as you were describing. Kind I, of I can picture it. it. Yeah. It sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> great. So. Um, anything else? Uh, I guess we, I think we touched on, um, those uh, three types of tears, uh, the displacement, um, some things to look out specifically, uh, in the ACL, um, ACL injuries. Um, anything else you want to mention or kind of consolidate for the listeners? No, I think, I think we hit on all of the big high points. You know, we have our three basic types of tear. If you're looking at a knee MRI, try to put it into one of those three. It might be if you can't neatly fit it, it might just be a complex non-displaced tear. But then if you start to see uh, abnormal morphology, pieces of meniscus where they don't belong, um, these three kind of displaced tears we talked about today are a good place to start. And then just don't forget the posterior horn when there's an ACL tear. Great. Uh, and just again, as a reminder, Dr. Srini has provided uh, a couple of resources uh, as additional follow-up and reading, uh, which are great reads, um, one from Radiographics and one from AJR. So uh, feel free to to reference those as well. Uh, I just want to again, thank you, Chris. I know uh, things are kind of chaotic these days and take the time out to uh, come meet with us. I appreciate it. And I'm sure our, our listeners do as well. Well, I'm really happy to be here and uh, best of luck with the rest of the podcast. Uh, happy to come back anytime. <laughs> Thanks again, Chris. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening and supporting from the Viewbox. We've attached additional reading materials to the episode notes as provided by our guest. And please visit us at www.umassmed.edu backslash radiology. Thank you to our colleagues Charlene Barron, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ramsaran for their technical assistance. See you next time.